Good morning, folks. We're glad you could be with us this morning. Um, we've been doing this for all oh, seven or eight weeks now, something like that. And I got to tell you, I am not any more comfortable with it now than I was at the beginning. It's pretty clear I was not born to be a TV preacher. Um, it's not my thing. I, I want to begin this morning by asking you to remember something. And I think it's probably something every one of you can remember. Here's what I want to ask you to remember. I want you to remember a time where you were not grateful to someone, not grateful because of a circumstance. Just remember that time. Now, it's probably likely that when you think of that time, you remember it with regret. As a matter of fact, you might remember with regret that you had regrets, even in the moment. And you might also remember that you tried to make it up. You tried to say, I'm sorry, I should have been more grateful. Here's what I suspect never happened in that moment. What I suspect never happened in that moment is that your ingratitude was not recorded for the whole world to see. Thank God for that, right? We have lots of those moments, but they're not necessarily public moments. Imagine being one of the people in the story that Dan just read, the 10 lepers who were healed. Imagine being one of the nine whose ingratitude has been broadcast to the world for 2,000 years. We don't know their names, but surely when they heard about the response of Jesus, they felt regret. Consider the elements of this story. Uh, first, notice this, that the lepers were alienated from society. In other words, there was the severe social distancing practice for lepers in that society. Leprosy actually could be a variety of different kinds of skin diseases that they thought may be contagious. It could have been psoriasis. It could have been even lupus. It could have been ringworm, another, a number of other uh, contagious or maybe even non-contagious diseases put you in the category of a leper. Actually, there were some very strict regulations for those who had leprosy. Actually, I want to read just a moment here for you chapter 13 of the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin, that may be a defiling skin disease. They must be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin. And if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines the person, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. If the shiny spot on the skin is white but does not appear to be more than skin deep and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest is to examine them and see if the sore is unchanged and has not spread to the other parts of the skin. He is to be isolated for another seven days if it has. They had some strict regulations. 
for people who had leprosy. And the only way you could re-enter society was to give the priest your hand or another part of your body for an examination. Once a priest examined you and declared you clean, only then were you able to re-enter society. There's another interesting aspect of this story. The lepers are together. Since they're isolated from society, no doubt they crave community. And so they get together with other lepers. And they travel together and they eat together and they do what you ordinarily do in community. But because of the social barriers, they had to stay away from everyone else. As a matter of fact, when they approached a group of people, they had to announce their uncleanness. And on this particular occasion, they were doing just that. They announced their uncleanness, no doubt, but what they especially announced was their need. They cried out to Jesus. They said to Jesus, Master, Jesus, have pity on us. In other words, they recognized their need. It's also true that they likely understood that Jesus would receive them. So these lepers were alienated from society, but they had one another in common. It is interesting how severe circumstances, um, tragedies, uh, events that are unexpected have a tendency to place us in the context of others who've experienced the same events or social isolation. And in that context, it's also interesting to watch barriers drop. The reason I mention is because the people in this group of community of lepers were both Jews and Samaritans. It became less important that at least one of them was a Samaritan than it was that they all had the same need. There was a human leveling because of the disease. Not unlike you've heard many times the stories of animals during crisis. Perhaps like a flood, they'll seek higher ground. And animals that are natural enemies of one another, they come together and stand and wait because of a common need. It's interesting to notice Jesus' response. You might expect he has pity on them and he heals them. He heals them primarily because they ask. He heals them because they recognize their need. And that's an interesting contrast to the Pharisees who were following Jesus around at the same time. They didn't recognize their need. They didn't reach out and ask for help in any way. The response of the lepers, you know that response. It's rather amazing. They had to go to the priest to verify that their illness had been healed. But notice, Jesus says to them, I want you to present yourself to the priest. When he makes that declaration, have they been healed yet? No. He just says, I want you to go to the priest and present yourself. In other words, I want you to present yourself to the priest because if you follow my directives, if you obey me, you will be healed. So as one person, they turn, all ten, and head towards the priest. 
And then they notice, after they've taken the step of obedience, they notice they've been healed. Only one, when he notices his healing, is overcome by gratitude. I'm not sure what happened to the others. I wonder what they thought. Were they happy, but not grateful? Were they so self-consumed that all they could think about was the fact that they no longer had the disease? But one turned around and came back to Jesus and fell at his feet, face down, and thanked him and praised God. There's something else that's interesting about this text. If you do a BibleGateway.com search on this text in Luke chapter 17 and verse 19, there's a handful of translations that at the end of verse 19 put it this way. Jesus said to that one who had returned, Go now, your faith has healed you. Hadn't the others been healed as well? Did not they too have faith? I wonder why the response is like that. Go, your faith has healed you. There's reason to believe that Jesus was saying something more than, you've just been healed by your faith. And that's why some translators put it this way. Go, you have been saved and you've been healed Sometimes we debate translations. That one seems right to me. Why? Because it sets that one apart from the rest of the nine. He had experienced Jesus. He hadn't just experienced healing. He experienced Jesus. The others would never, unless they turned back, experience the same saving that he had. So I want to ask a few questions concerning ingratitude. You remember I asked you to remember a time when you were not grateful. What's the source of ingratitude? Well, one thing might just be forgetfulness. How many times this has been true of me? I've just forgotten to say thank you. I might actually have been grateful, but I didn't say it. Another cause of ingratitude could be just plain familiarity. In other words, the person who's in front of me, I am so familiar, or the blessing that's around me, I'm so familiar with it that I forget to say thank you. I've mentioned before, but I want to mention it again. One of the things that stood out to me about worship in Ghana was that we used to get together in a gazebo before we began our day's work. And there would be a devotional and there would be singing, songs of praise, but there also would be prayer. And inevitably, the prayer began with and emphasized how grateful the people were to God. And when I say grateful, I mean the simplest of things. The prayer routinely began, like, God, 
We just thank you for the brightness of this new day. Can I be cynical for a moment? Let me step outside my admonition for a new day. Doesn't it happen every day? Hasn't a new day dawned for thousands and tens of thousands of years? But they said, thank you, God, for the beauty of a new day. Sometimes the familiarity of what we have and experience, the blessings that we have, they cause us to forget to be grateful. There's a third reason, I think, that we frequently are ungrateful. It's because we're just self-consumed. And sometimes our self-consumption, it comes out of drama and tragedy and serious problems in our life. But still, still, we're self-consumed. Just like the nine who turned towards the priest. Granted, they were in desperate situations. Granted, they had a reason to think only about themselves and their disease. But because they were so self-consumed, they forgot or refused or just didn't make the choice to be grateful. You can think of many other causes for ingratitude, I'm sure, but I, I give you just one more. One cause for ingratitude is entitlement. We just think we're entitled. And maybe our thought process goes something like this. We actually think God owes us something. We say to ourselves, well, of course, God is loving. Why wouldn't he heal? Or, of course, God is forgiving. Why wouldn't he forgive me? That really, my friends, is a sense of entitlement. God doesn't need to heal. God doesn't have to extend himself to us. God doesn't have to be loving. But God is. In spite of the fact that we probably don't deserve it on any number of occasions, he is. We're not entitled to it. This passage reminds me of some principles that probably are important for us to remember. The first principle is the importance of recognizing your need. I remember a, a statement by Jesus on one occasion where one of the disciples recognized he was truly the Son of God. Remember Thomas? Jesus said to him and to other disciples in other situations a similar statement. He said, blessed are you for believing since you have seen. But even more blessed are you who without ever seeing believe. We don't need to wait for a crisis to recognize our need. We ought to be grateful always because we recognize our dependence upon God. 
Second, it seems as a principle that we ought to develop a habit, a habit of gratitude. There's a danger. There's a danger when your heart is stirred, either in prayer, either in worship, or listening to a sermon or reading or walking about your day. There's a danger when your heart is stirred to move in a certain direction. If you're reading this passage and listening to these words and you feel your heart stirred and you say, I need to be more grateful. If you don't do something about it, it's dangerous because God's Spirit has spoken to you. And you don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. So let me make just two recommendations. Create a pattern of prayer for yourself that always begins with gratitude. That always thanks God for the ordinary things in life. That thanks God for His grand character. His sovereignty, but thanks God for the people who are in your life. Begin your prayer that way. Don't go immediately to your needs. Start with thanksgiving. The second thing, this is very practical. Make a commitment to make a list of things that you should be grateful for. Make a list. List your blessings. For these things I ought to be grateful. You might be surprised how many things you list. Second, write a note. Tell somebody. It will help you and it will bless others. And the third bit of advice is do it now. Do it now. I suspect that most of you, not all of you, but most of you are not watching this alone. You're watching it with another. I also suspect that you haven't always been as grateful to them as you ought to be. So following our prayer, take a moment, do it, do it now. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, we are so grateful that you are patient with us. We know that frequently we take you for granted and the blessings that you bring into our life. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of your holiness. We thank you that you're above and beyond even the grandest thoughts that we have of you. We thank you for the grandeur of your beauty displayed in the, in the universe itself. We thank you, Lord, for those who are around us and the beauty they bring to our lives. Open our eyes, Lord, 
to see that beauty and to be grateful. Lord, we thank you especially for the forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will remind us daily that we will hear daily and remember to thank you daily for all our blessings. You are a good God. We don't want to be ungrateful. We want our lives to be infused by praise because we were created to praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.